0: Good morning. Thank you so much for being with us today. It, it was a blessing just to listen to you all worship. I mean, I, I, you guys are singing louder and louder, and that's a good thing to worship and praise the Lord. And, uh, it just excites me. There's a lot rolling around in my head. In fact, last service I combined love and joy into the word Loy. The Loy of the Lord is in our strength. <laughs> so, uh, work with me today as I try to unravel certain words. But it's a blessing to have you here, it really is, and uh, boy, God's, God's at work, and I, I'm just excited to be a part of what God is doing in this valley, aren't you? And there's a world to reach for the Lord Jesus Christ, and to heal hurts, build dreams, bring salvation to everyone, and that's the mission, that's the purpose, and it hasn't changed. To those of you who've been with us 20, 25, 30 years, we say thank you, and if you're a guest here for the first time, you're welcome, and we're glad that you're with us as well. Uh, We've worshiped, we've given, and now we're going to get into the word of of God. Uh, This is the one truth we can count on in the world today. This is the hope that we have that God's word doesn't lie. It's not fiction. It's not made up, but that it is our source of strength and our reality today. And so when the world comes against us, we can push back with the truth that we have in God's word. What I'm going to ask you to do today is to anticipate. In other words, don't be sitting here, and I'm excited. I know the Seahawks have to win, and so does Detroit for them to... And that's all good, but right now, right here in this moment, this time, I'm going to ask you to concentrate on the Word. This beautiful, this beautiful passage in, that Paul wrote is, is filled with love, it's filled with grace, it's filled with exhortation, it is just perfect as we start this new series, Defiant Joy, Defiant Joy. Now, I told the other, uh, other groups that were here last night and today, uh... Defiant joy, it, it's going to mean something different to me than it may mean to Pastor Daniel or to Pastor Taylor. You, have, you are blessed with a three-person teaching team. I not only think that's right, I think it's good that you hear different voices, that you have different styles, that you have different perspectives, different ages, different everything. And, and you're blessed, and I want you to know how blessed you are with Pastor Daniel, Pastor Taylor, and uh, me. And so... <laughs> I didn't know how to finish that statement up, and so it is what it is, <laughs> and me. And, and so, uh, but my take on defiant joy may be different, and, and so allow them the, the latitude to go however the Holy Spirit leads them in a different direction. Is that okay? But we're gonna be blessed by this series, defiant joy, what does it mean, how do we live it? Because I think that's the, the key to this whole thing, defiant joy. Someone came and she was joking with me. She's a good friend. And she said, Pastor I don't feel like defiant joy today, like having defiant joy. And, and it dawned on me. Well, I, and I didn't say this to her, but I said it to the entire congregation. Defiant joy, I didn't call her out by name. Uh, defiant joy is not a feeling, it's a way of living. It's a way of life. It's not how you feel. Feelings lie. But I'm going to talk today about a joy that isn't based on how you feel. Because some days I'm up, some days I'm down. How about you? Some days stress overwhelms, some days I'm more than victorious through Christ who strengthens me. And we're going to talk about how to even that out a little bit and have more victorious days than not through this series called Defiant Joy. So I know you're all comfortable and sitting down, but I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. I'm going to read this off my laptop, one of my grandchildren ate my Bible and uh, they took that literally, the word of the Lord, in them. And so I've got to get a new one. <laughs> Philippians chapter, chapter one, verses one through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through, the holy, through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Lord, let your word go deep in our hearts today. May we anticipate, may we understand that you may say something to me but by your spirit. You may say something different to those sitting here and listening. So, Lord, we don't care. We just want to hear from you. Let your word be accomplished in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, just to recap, this is, what is this, our second week in 2023. And I I hope it's going well for you. Last week we talked about being on holy ground. We talked about Moses, that experience that he had as he was out in the wilderness and he's leading his sheep around. And he looks over and he sees a burning bush and he says, wow, that's something. And so, He did some things because the the encounter really wasn't with a burning bush. It was an encounter with God. How many of us know tonight or today that we need an encounter with God? With all the foolishness and the, the silliness out there, we've got to be able to walk in here and say, God, I want more of you. And I don't just want it today. I want it every day. We pray you're filling out your journals every day. We pray you're reading along with us. We pray that God is beginning to grow you up into the person that he Wants you to be so Moses has this burning bush, this God encounter, and it touches him. And we said some things last week that I want to remind us of today. First of all, if you want to have a God encounter, first of all, you got to do is slow down. We live in the busyness of life, we get consumed by everything around us. And God wants to say to a bunch of us in this room today, just slow down and know that I am God. Just slow down. If your life is too filled to not know and experience the, the love of God in Christ, living in this spirit, then you're too busy and you need to slow it down. Moses slowed down. Then the Bible says he looked and he turned to see uh, the burning bush. And I think what that said to me was sometimes when I slow down, I have to be willing to look around and see what God is up to. I have to be willing to see that God may be speaking to me and if I'm too busy, if I'm too caught up in who I am or what I'm doing, I can't hear or see what God is doing around me. Henry Blackaby did this study about 25 years ago. We need to see what God is doing and join him in what he's doing and not just invite him into what we're doing. Does that make sense to everybody? So then we make the effort. If you want an encounter with God, you've gotta make some effort. This weekend's been phenomenal. Almost every service just filled. You have to make the effort to show up to worship the Lord together because we're in this together. As we've talked about your journal, the word, worshiping, going down the road, whatever it takes. Making the decision to look and see but then moving in that direction. Moving toward the God experience. Then God speaks to Moses and he said this, Moses, you need to take your shoes off because this is holy ground. Holy ground. Now that was an Eastern, Moses would have understood that completely, for us I take it different. I think there are things in my life, if I want to encounter God, I gotta take out of my life. How about you? Pride, selfishness, maybe a, 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 an emotion that, that's haywire, that, that is, is, is tyrannizing, is that even a word? I've struggled with that word tyranny today. Tyrannizing, it's a tyranny in your life, lay them aside, take it off for this is holy ground. And then after that, in that next same chapter, Exodus, Moses is given a task, and to be honest with you, I knew the minute God said it, it was going to be too big for Moses. It was too big for anybody. God said, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh, and I I want him to free my people, and I want you to lead them. Well, Moses can't do that in his own strength. If we really want to be who God wants us to be in life, we got to catch on fairly early that we can't do these things in our own strength. We're not, we're not good enough, we're not brave enough, we're not smart enough, we're not any of those things. If you wanna become the person God wants you to, need, to be, then we have to do it for the glory of God, we've gotta follow hard after Jesus at the cross, and we have to allow his Holy Spirit to lead and guide us on a daily basis. That's the reality of what God might be saying to some of us today. God doesn't just call us to burning bush and say, hey, I'm here, but God says, hey, I'm giving you a task. God wants us to join him in his purpose and his mission. He's called us to it. that today. Let me tell you how I know that. Philippians chapter one. I'm taking a break. I'm just slowing down for a minute. (laughs) Philippians chapter one. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons. Catch that word there. He said to all the, the what? The saints. That word saint. that's the ESV, English Standard Version. In the NIV, it calls us God's holy people, a holy people. That word saint means those set apart. Hang with me today, those set apart. Set apart means we have put our faith in and our followers of Jesus Christ. We are not a, a special club, we're not super Christians, but we are holy, separated from the mindset of this world and dedicated to fulfilling God's purposes in our time and in, in, our, in our culture. How many think that there's a mission out there to change our time and culture? How many? Uh, I'm gonna tell you what you already know. How many know our culture is really messed up right now? That which is true is untrue. That which is untrue has become true. That which is up is now down. That what's down is now up. If it's not the craziest time to live in, I don't know what, what time is. And God calls you and I every day average people to be so filled with this Holy Spirit that when we leave this place, we're going to walk out these doors committed to changing our time and culture, not by our strength, not for our glory, but who Jesus is and in the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. That's the reality of who we are called to be today. Moses was called to this mission. He wasn't just brought into an experience with God to ooh and ah and say, oh, how blessed I am, pat yourself on the back. No. Whenever God calls us, he calls us to his purpose, he calls us to his his mission. He sets us apart for something greater than ourselves. He calls us to something bigger than that we can do in our own strength. He asks us to be a part of something that is not dependent or reliant upon what I think or how strong I am, but on what God thinks and how strong he is to fulfill his purpose in the world, in our time, in our culture. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says that we've been called according to whose purpose? His purpose. Certainly to salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But more than that, he calls us to his purpose. He calls us to his purpose today. Ephesians chapter 1 and 10 says, God's purpose is to bring unity in all things in heaven, in heaven in, in, uh, and on earth under Christ. That it's not just about me, but it's about the redemptive reconciling role that you and I can play in the world today. That's why he said back in Acts when we did that study, he said, go be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? That God loves you. That God cares about you. That God wants you to live the life, the abundant life that he has. And that may not mean a billion dollars in your bank account, but you become the man or the woman that God wants you to be. And that's who we're called and the mission that we have today our salvation is more than simply about us. Verse two, Paul writes these beautiful words. He says, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that saying we said, I caught someone before the service, or service and I said, he has risen. And they responded, he is risen indeed. This is another one. Grace and peace, grace to you and peace from God. Grace to you and peace from God. Say it with me. Grace to you and peace from God. Now, now turn and say it to someone next to you. Go ahead. Oh, I'm getting weepy. That that was beautiful. That greeting, share it with someone around you on a daily basis. Let me give you a definition. Grace is the free and unmerited love of God to sinful humanity. That's us. Through redemption by Christ Jesus. Peace is the fruit or outcome of reconciliation to God through Christ. Grace, the unmerited favor of God. Did you hear what I said? The unmerited favor. In other words, on, on my best day, I don't deserve the love and the grace and the mercy that I have in Jesus Christ. How about you? I'm unworthy today. And the line right under that that I'd normally say if I were being mean, I'd say neither are you, but it's just true. We're just not worthy. It, it's the spontaneous, expression of God's, of his mercy and his love that pours out on a bunch of people. that he says, they're never going to measure up. They're never going to get it right. But I'm just going to love them anyway. I'm going to extend this grace and this love and this compassion and this mercy, this tenderness toward them because I just, I just love them and all of the, all of the stuff that they are and and, and the baggage that they bring, I love them and I want to see them live a life in my son, Jesus Christ. The unmerited favor of God. And man, there's nothing better than having peace through being reconciled to God. Nothing greater than finding peace. You say, well, Pastor Ray, what does that mean? What's the, what's the teaching today? Well, here's what came to me. And if it's to you, something else, whatever. But if God's gonna extend that kind of unmerited favor to me, how many think I ought to extend it to someone else? Right? Right? If God's gonna abound in love to me, how many think I ought to abound in love to someone else? Someone caught me after the service last night and said, Pastor I've got two people that I've gotta extend grace to. And, and she wasn't happy about it. Man, I can relate to that, can't you? I'm not saying it's easy to be grace-filled up people. Some people are annoying. Can we just be honest about it and say that? Is that okay to say Quit looking at me like that. I don't mean me, I mean others. <laughs> and yet God says, abound in grace toward them. May the grace and peace of our Lord be given from not only to us, but to us, but through us, to the people around us. Then he said this, verse three and five, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, you'd never know Paul was in prison, but this is a prison epistle prison letter. Paul is chained. Paul is waiting for the outcome of his trial paul paul's in he's not in good circumstances it's it's a It's a tough time for paul and it just amazes me as i've now read this to to the congregation three times It's amazing to me that he writes with such joy and with such fervor and with such compassion and with such love it, it amazes me because. Quite frankly, if I were in jail, I, I wouldn't care about anyone but me, right? I'd be thinking about me. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be thinking about you. But Paul was so in love with Jesus Christ and the grace of God abounded in him. He lifted up his eyes above his circumstance and he saw the people around. He says, man, I love you guys. I, I miss you guys. I pray that all God's grace abounds to you. You know what I love about scripture? Because I know he's in prison. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat the difficulties of life. These guys who come on TV, they, they I need to extend grace to them. This idea that you're never going to struggle, you're never going to have problems, everything's going to be fine for you, you're never going to a, make a mistake or have a problem, you're just going to live long and prosper. Uh, you know? Is that right? I'm waiting for some of these guys on TV live long and prosper. What a bunch of baloney. The Bible said straight up, hey, you're going to have temptations and trials. You might as well deal with it. God does not promise you you're not going to struggle. You're not going to go through difficult days. That's not the teaching. The teaching is, is that through every storm, through every struggle, through every trial, he'll go through it with you. And he'll be your strength and your salvation. He'll be the anchor of your soul. He'll be the refuge that you run to. That's the message in the teaching of Scripture. Sometimes life is hard and bad things happen to good people. Paul's love for God is saying to people around us and to me, let let the love of God help you rise above your circumstance. Yeah, these bad things are going to come your way, but you don't have to wallow in them. You don't have to be brought down by them. Because there is a strength, there is a surety. Not because of how you feel, but because of the reality of Christ that you can rise above that. And so he mentions in these four chapters, he mentions joy. Either the word joy or or its cousin rejoice some 14 times. What do we learn from this passage? Here's what I got, and you may find something different. Thankfulness, love, and joy are the hallmarks of those who follow Jesus Christ. Thankfulness. Love and joy are the hallmarks of those who follow Jesus Christ, and we are to express them to those around us. Paul's thankfulness, love, and joy are generously given to others, and he exhorts believers to do the the same thing. Okay, now everyone listen, because now we're going to talk about defiant joy. This is the title of this series, Defiant Joy. How many know there are two different kinds of defiance? There's the childish defiance. Anyone here got kids? Do I even need to cover this much, the defiance of a child? That stubborn, obstinate, rebellious, self-willed defiance that you say, Johnny, you need to sit down. And Johnny says, for no good reason, I don't want to. Johnny, listen, it'd be better for you to sit down. I'm not going to sit down Johnny, you know, I, the temperature starts rising, anyone, and Johnny defiantly says, "I'm." and even if you get him to sit down, in his head he's thinking I may be sitting but I'm standing on the inside, you know. That's childish defiance. Aren't you grateful that that only happens to kids? Aren't you glad we don't deal with that as adults? We're never obstinate, we're never stubborn, we're never rebellious. I'm so grateful for grace at this moment. There's another reason for defiance, and this is a more important one. It's a defiance. Maybe it's best described this way. I, I reread the Declaration of Independence. It's not that long an article. It wasn't, it was just, it's not that long. It's a letter. And these uh these you know, these, these men, sorry ladies, it was just a men thing back then. These men wrote, wrote this letter and it, it says that human beings have inalienable rights and these things. And it says, and here's, here's the problem. They laid out all the things King George III had done against them. And, and, and they said, they basically said, we're going to stand up to you. You have no right to tyrannize us anymore. You have no right, and we're willing to commit our names, our lives, our fortunes, our honor. That's a good defiance. See, anytime you stand up to tyranny, that's good. Anytime you stare down, you know, you know. And, and, and there's some. Last night, I could not get this word in my head, so I came up with my new word. Anyone who commits tyranny is a tyrannist. Well, how many know it's not a real word? And I used it three times and finally someone yelled out because they felt so sorry for me. The word's tyrant. It's tyrant. <laughs> Not my best moment. <laughs> yeah, that, tyrant. <laughs> Woo. Whenever you face down a tyrant, that's good defiance. And, you know, King George had to be he had to be stared down and someone had to say, you can't treat us this way, this is wrong. In World War II, Hitler had to be told through force of arms that he's a tyrant and he, he needs to stop. Mussolini, Putin, all these guys. There are some things that you have to say no to. That's defiance, that's a good defiance. And there's a lot of other things. There's, there, are, there are more subtle there's more subtle tyranny out there than just the people we can see a mile away like a Putin or a Hitler or a whoever. There's more subtle tyrannies that come to all of our hearts and it may be different for each of us but there are tyrants we all face, right? Uh, Mark, Mark Sayers. Mark Sayers came up, uh, did this podcast last week or a week, couple weeks ago and it, it, it was... It was kind of scary. It made me want to move to the Midwest or Idaho, or wherever everyone's going. Um, I'm Stan, uh, but it was uh, it taught, it was. He called it the info apocalypse. We're getting there are so many people, foreign countries, and bloggers and social media people. They want you to press like so much. They want to sway your opinion so much. Truth has no bearing or meaning to anybody. And and there's this tipping point where. We're dealing with it so long and so heavy in this world, in our time and culture, that people don't know what to believe anymore. They don't know what to believe. And, and he talked about the urgency of, of this is the situation, and he called it a crisis. It's a crisis because no one knows what to believe, and, and, and it's not only a problem for others, it can be a problem in the church. Aren't you grateful today? Anyone got a Bible? Thank you. Thank you. Aren't you glad... Whether it's on a laptop, on your phone, or this leather-bound book, aren't you glad that you can have a truth you can rest your life on? See, all the all the stuff out there, it can it can uh, it can lead you this way, it can lead you that way, and you never know what to believe. I mean, I caught an article the other day, and I thought, okay, well, this, this might sound good, uh, and so I went to the the original paper that published it, and I'm, I'm reading at their titles. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 wait a minute! I get down just a little bit further. And it said U.S. the U.S. Air Force discovers uh, UFOs somewhere that and I, you know just something they couldn't identify, but Martians, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm just telling you, it's crazy out there. How many know that the reason we want to push this book and get you involved in Bible study and in rooted and all the other things, deep diving, is because it it, it is a pack of lies out there. And what you and I need is something we can depend on. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, don't, don't put your hope in me or Pastor Daniel, Pastor Taylor. Put your hope in Jesus and believe this book. And if we ever go contrary to this book, you need to come up and say, hey, is that what you meant? Do me the honor of saying, hey, you may have misspoke. I mean, it's like love and joy, Loy. You know, I just may need to clarify something. But we need to be honest and say, this is what we follow. The word of God led by the Holy Spirit. Thank you. And, and so w- what this is doing is, is it pushes people. Why do you, and now I'm going to say the far right first, but all of you hold on because I'll pick on the far left in just a minute. But you got, you, it pushes people. What it does is they get, they get wound up and they get wound up. I mean, Pastor Daniel, and I had a meeting with a lady and she brought in QAnon and all the other stuff. It was the craziest experience I've ever had. I mean, she got me going at the end. I said, well, you're probably right. They probably just kill everyone for fun. I mean, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was it was. And so what that does is pushes people. And they get on this side. Yeah, let's get them. And they get real mad at the people on that side. Then the people on this side, they get real mad. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christ follower, you don't belong on that side. You don't belong on that side. You're not pushed to the left. You're not not pushed to the left. You know what I mean? We're pushed heavenward. It pushes us to Jesus for crying out loud. You say, well... uh, you, I, you know what some of you want? You want the luxury luxury of being like everybody else. You don't get to. You want to join the anger around the, the, the water cooler. You don't get to. I, 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 yeah, no, yeah, butts. No. You don't get to join the party. You got to make a difference at the party. Instead of stoking it with gasoline, you gotta say, well, let's think about this. You you gotta bring a a, a spiritual perspective in some way. If nothing else, you gotta bring the temperature down in the room. But that's what we're called, the subtlety of which all these things are pushing people around. It's not just out there, in your own soul. How about the tyrant named resentment? Anyone battle a tyrant named resentment? How about, thank you for honesty. (laughs) How about a tyrant named Anger? Yeah. How about the tyrant of comparison? This is one I struggle with. Yeah, man. You know, I wish I were a better—I wish I were a better dad, because I—I I look at this guy and he's so good. You know what? That's tyranny. I wish I were a better mom or a better this or better that or I wish I had done my finances better. You know what? Here's what I do. I, I, I'd sweep that all under grace and say, today in 2023, I'm going to be who God wants me to be, and I'm going to say no to tyrants, and I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, come and do a work in me. No idea where I'm at in the notes. Okay, let me give you no, I know where we're at. Let me give you a, a definition, and this is my take on this. Defiant joy is the radical, transformative and revolutionary response of the saints, those set apart for Jesus Christ to the constant attack of the enemy that is destroying our world. Joy, defiant joy is more than a feeling. Defiant joy is to be lived. Defiant joy is radical. It's transformative for us and for those around us. And it is revolutionary response of you who are set apart under the Lord Jesus Christ to change the world because that's the purpose of God. Instead of moving to the far right, left, we push heavenward, we reject fear in all its forms because Jesus has already purchased your victory. You're not a loser because Jesus said you're a winner. You don't, uh, you read the end of the book. Jesus comes and he establishes righteousness, kingdom forever and ever. It, it, you don't have to be down. We speak the truth of God to the lies. We don't point to the problem. We point to the answer, who is Jesus. And, and, and for right here in this place, we provide a port in the storm. You don't come here and hear about politics. If we ever start preaching anybody but Jesus, we're all quitting and closing the doors. We preach Jesus and Him crucified. We preach you can have power in the Holy Spirit, you can walk in defiant joy, and we can do it for the glory of God. Let this be a place where our worship was like it was today, sweet and pleasing, a sweet and pleasing aroma unto God that encourages our soul. Let the word of God be preached in this place. Let it be a place where we bind together to say, God, what is it you have in store for us that we can go out of this place and change our part of the world? That's defiant joy today. Defiant joy is not a feeling, but the knowledge that I am saved by grace. I'm a child of God. I have been set apart to the purposes of God, and I have, I have stepped, and I have walked on holy ground. It's my prayer today. Say, well, Pastor Ray, I can't do it in my own strength. Believe me, I know. I'm speaking for me. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In your in, in your notes. Finishing well is not based on our strength of character or our will, thank the Lord. But on the faithfulness of God to complete what he started in us through Christ Jesus, we are not alone. Hey friend, just so you know, your victory is not in you, it's in Jesus. If, it, if, if my life depended on my will and my character, I'd be in such bad shape. I mean, honestly, I walked out the door last night There were these chocolate, salted chocolate-covered caramels. They're really good. I'm not eating one. I'm not eating one. I'm not eating one. I'm having one. Well, that sounds silly to you, but that's a lot of life sometimes. I can do this. I can do this. No, you can't. You need a Savior. His name is Jesus. We need to be walking in the spirit on a daily basis, filled, deep diving in the word of God and praying and seeking what God is saying to us because you cannot do it in your own because there will always be a tyrant like Mary who put those right in my path. I ate that because it was Mary's fault. She's going to get it because we always have to have someone to blame, don't we? Always. Last passage of scripture and I'll hurry. I'm going to jump down to verse 9 and 11. You can read verse 7 and 8 at home. Verse 9 and 11, through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that, you may be, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Defiant joy is displayed through our love for others. It's an action, even those who are hard to love. Defiant joy is built through a growing knowledge of God and understanding of the lies of the enemy. I loved what he said about discernment. Have you ever seen a wine tasting? I don't drink wine, so I don't know. Uh, I'm, not, I'm just telling you, I don't drink wine. I, I worked in stores, and I had to stock it. And when one would break, Whoa. But they, they take the wine, and they, they put a little in, and they hold it up to the light, and they swirl it. You know, between you and I, in my head, I'm thinking that they're saying, I have no idea why I'm doing this. <laughs> and, and then they sniff it. They, you know what they are really thinking? This stuff smells bad. <laughs> oh, it's very good. 1968. Yeah. And then, and then they, they put some in their mouth and they go. It's at that moment, they're deciding if they're going to drink it or not. Then they they go. You know, there's something in our culture. You need to go. Just spit it out. Hey friends, it's time for the church to stop buying into the lies. We need a truth tasting around here. <laughs> I could sp- I could take off on that, but I'm going to stop. Truth is found in the word and the word has to be cherished. That's why this is our 21st rooted Over, I don't know how, 21, I figure 21 to 2,500 have gone through rooted people. We have uh, 75? (laughs) We have 90 people signed up for the deep dive, the mission and theology of God. How many for financial peace? Round Round 20. All important, you know, how many know that the world lies to you about your finances? Oh, you got to have something bigger and better. The world is distorted the mission and the theology of God and we've got to ret- we got to retake it. And rooted over there'll be over 200 well, yeah, well over 200 people here on Wednesday night studying the word of God. How cool is that? While you're in here, there'll also be a, about a 100 and I'm betting I'm betting 120, 150 kids out there. We've started uh, what's that called? Olympics? Olympics? Super Book Olympics. It's like Awana. There's a whole bunch of stuff for kids. Elementary. There, we have now have a midweek for our kids. We've got people like you studying God's word together. We've got journals. We've got opportunities for people to just grow in their faith. If you're struggling, celebrate. We've got all this stuff. But there comes a moment where you have to do this and step out. Amen? So uh, last thing I'm going to say, Pastor Taylor... They're starting their thing tonight. He could use some more leaders because our youth are exploding. Mary over there, my wife who I antagonized earlier, this is how I'm gonna make up for it. She could use about 30 other people to, to join her in helping the kids. We need a lot more help to teach, teach the children. So if you could do that, stop out and see her after the service. It's important. Let's pray. Would you stand with me? Lord, uh, we worship you. We love you. We thank you for what you're going to do in us. In the name of Jesus, we push back against tyranny. And we declare defiant joy that's not based on how I feel, but it's based on how I love, how thankful I am, how gracious I am to others, and I walk in a joy that's not based on circumstance. See, because those change, but you never, never change. Lord, bless these wonderful people who have come here today. Lord, touch them as we worship you one last time in this moment. Let's worship the Lord together.